0: This week on Prepping 2.0. The longer we go into this new environment, this inflationary environment with random shortages on the supply side, with huge supply chain issues, with the labor issues that we're seeing, which we can get into that later, because that's a huge factor. Now we're struggling. Those things are compounding.
1: When disaster strikes, will you be prepared? This is Prepping 2.0. With authors and prepping experts, Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Online at prepping 2 Get ready, Prepping 2.0 coming in 3, 2, 1. Welcome everyone, this is
2: Shelby Gallagher over here at Prepping 2.0, and normally I would say to you, and welcome to my co-host on the show and co-host in live, Glenn Tate. As many of you know, and have been praying for him, he is uh, Wade laid with COVID, and continually ask you to continue to pray for him, and uh, and we know he'll be back soon. So, but today's show we have one of our past guests to join us. I'm so excited. I'm not going to tease you too much, but I do want to give a quick shout out to some of our great sponsors who help us keep the keep great content coming to you. One of them is um, Minibend Coffee. And I do not start this show without a good strong cup of Minutemen coffee. Um, You can check them out at our website at prepping2-0.com over on friends and affiliates. Great, patriotic, prepping, constitutional, loving folks over there. When you make an order with them, you're going to get a copy of the U.S. Constitution. They are unabashedly pro-America, pro-Second Amendment, no apologies. Um, if you use the coupon code i miss america at checkout you get 15% off and they are the exclusive roasters of the i miss america blend which is the only thing shelby me will drink so there you go another quick shout out to new mana foods seems kind of important these days and it'll it'll become more important as we talk about um, our topic today um, getting food in your storage so that you can be ready for what's coming. New Mana Food specializes in bulk freeze dried fruit. If you go to our website again, prepping 2 com, friends and affiliates, you can click over to their website there. Use the coupon code PREP, lowercase, at checkout and you can get 10% off. So without any further ado, I want to really spend a lot of time with our guest today. Our guest is Dan the Food Industry Guy. Great guest who always gives us great information. Welcome, Dan.
0: Hi, Shelby. It's great to be here.
2: It is great to have you. Thank you so much. So Dan always brings to us the pulse of the food supply industry because he's got his thumb on it. So really quick well not really quick really want to talk this out well and and I want to jump in here and, and say first of all the last time we talked to Dan which was last summer you were ta- we talked probably about a half a show like a really long time about the shortage of um, shipping containers and yes. as I've watched the news pan out boy that came true do you have any ex- do you want to add a fine point onto that
0: <laughs> well, it's uh, it was easy to foresee uh, from where I sit, and uh, yeah, not at all surprised that that is panning out. And, and unfortunately, there don't seem to be any uh, quick fixes on the horizon for that particular issue.
2: So, okay, so I'm gonna at, I'm gonna probably ask this a different way, or add to uh, ask more of that question as we go, because I know we've got some great things to talk about. Um, right now, fuel prices and how that's affecting everything. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah,
0: I mean, uh, fuel prices are absolutely going up. And one of the things that we keep an eye on, because fuel is a major expense for us, uh, <laughs> is, is what the uh, the analysts and such think that fuel prices are going to do. And it's it's near unanimous across the board that fuel prices are only going to continue to go up. Um, you know, the U.S., it went from uh, energy independent to extraordinarily energy dependent over the past really uh, year or so. And so that's really hurting us when it comes to fuel prices. Um, there's also a lot of shortages that are, that seem to be just randomly cropping up. Mm -hmm. Um, we had a a truck driver in uh, Southern Ohio this week, and he went to three different stations before he could find diesel. So things like that, uh, lead to great inefficiencies and such, but with fuel prices going up, there's the obvious, right? Everybody thinks about truckers and, Oh, well, diesel price goes up, things get more expensive, but there's a lot of other things tied into fuel prices. Uh, Such as, for example, uh, a lot of um, farmers use natural gas to dry out crops. You know, it's rare that you can harvest in ideal conditions. And so a lot of times natural gas is used to um, blow warm air and and heat a little bit the crops after harvest to dry them out so they don't mold, right? Uh, That process just got a lot more expensive and it's, it's only getting worse. Uh, another thing that it affects, as far as my end of the equation is concerned, is an, extraordinary, uh, an extraordinarily large amount of fuel, particularly natural gas, is used in the production of fertilizers.
2: Mm-hmm. And when
0: fertilizers start to get expensive, uh, everything else does too. And the fertilizer price is just unbelievably high right now. It's more than doubled uh, in the last six months or so. Um, we had a week, uh, let's see, uh, this show is going to air a week and a half after we Mm -hmm. uh, record it. So by the time this airs about three weeks ago, uh, furlough prices went up about 70% in a week, just in one week. And it's mostly connected to, uh, the price of natural gas and supply chain issues. So what that leads to is that leads to a lot less planting, uh, come next Season if these prices remain this high, um, particularly in corn. Corn uses a lot of fertilizer. Um, most corn fields that you you would drive by uh, throughout the Great Plains and here in Texas, they they use you know anywhere from three to four times the fertilizer that other crops like wheat use, and so that's going to really affect things, uh, planting seasons and prices. For a long time into the future, um, if these gas prices and natural natural gas prices don't come down, which they're not projected to do, so fuel affects everything. I mean, we fuel is one of the um, one of the biggest things that we keep an eye on because every step of the process of getting food from the field to your plate involves heavy fuel usage of one farm or another. Um, so that's kind of a quick update on fuel, um, tying it into fertilizer in particular, because that's, that's a real problem, uh, coming up on the horizon. If these prices can't go down, um, a lot of farmers would have already purchased their fertilizer for the next year. Typically they, they get that out of the way, uh, well in advance of the actual growing season. And most of the guys that I've talked to so far haven't ordered any fertilizer. It's just too expensive. They're kind of in a position where we either wait until hopefully the price goes down or we plant a quarter to a third of our usual crop. Just because they're not going to be able to sell their crops for Mm. anywhere near a reasonable amount if this is what they have to pay for fertilizer. And that, goes, that is a direct tie-in to natural gas. Um, CF Industries, CFI, is a huge producer of, of various types of fertilizer. And, and there's others, too. And there's mosaic and such. But CF Industries in particular um, says that there's going to be huge cutbacks um, in fertilizer usage in the United States come planting season. Um, they're projecting between 50 and 70% cutback in fertilizer usage because of the expense. Um, and that's not just in the United States, that's a worldwide issue at the moment. Uh, Europe, the natural gas price is far higher than it is in the United States. And uh, in Europe, a lot of the fertilizer plants were actually shutting down, uh, CF Industries is one of them, it was shutting down uh, the plants that create fertilizer in the uh, European Union area. And the EU actually was bailing them out. They, they were just writing basically blank checks to oh get them gosh. to reopen uh, because they know how critical that is. So everything I say about the issues here in the United States, you can you can mentally double those issues into Europe because their prices are so much higher
3: mm-hmm.
0: uh, for natural gas and other things than they are here. So it, it's a worldwide issue at the moment wow. um, that, that the industry is very, very concerned about.
2: Okay, so, uh, in, the, in the
0: midterm.
2: So I'm not, I don't, I always hate to cut you off, but I, t- whew, okay. But I have some questions for you, but I want to give it again, always a quick shout out to our great sponsors. Quick shout out uh-huh. to EMP Shield. Love these folks. Boy, everyone got concerned here recently when there was um, projected that there could be a CME coming at the end of October. Thank goodness it did not. EMP Shield though has developed a device that will protect your devices from coronal mass ejection or an EMP. Encourage you to look into them. Um, great folks over there. And um, if you use the coupon, well, again, check them out at prepping2-zero.com, click on friends and affiliates, click over to them, use the coupon code prepping2.0. They have an awesome coupon code. You use that coupon code, you get $50 off each device, and you get peace of mind that your electronics, your home, your car are protected from such a huge surge. Um, Government agencies use them, this this is a tried and true a method of protecting us so big shout out to them also want to give a quick shout out to Backwoods Home Magazine oh my gosh I as I have been recovering from COVID recently I have read a whole lot of them and got cover to cover I encourage you again check them out at our website and use the coupon code 6OFF that's the digit 6OFF at, at checkout and you'll get $6 off. So, okay, so back to Dan, the food industry guy. So, Dan, question, and I, and I, because whenever I talk to you, I remember things that you've said before, and it becomes very um, prophetic, some of the things you say, and I know you know that. Um, I remember having a conversation with you about a year ago about how. The projections, excuse me, folks, my, my voice is a little shaky here. The projections for last year's crops were bad because of just bad weather conditions, weird weather patterns. And now we're looking at the reason our crops being bad is because of fuel prices and the inability to get fertilizer. So are we, we're looking at again more bad crops, is, is another aspect of what I'm hearing you say. Can you speak to that? <coughs>
1: Yeah, so
0: really the last uh, couple of years in, in the United States, we've had uh, bad harvests in one form or another. And what and what I mean by that is either lower yields than expected um, or very poor quality yields, mm-hmm. um, and, or both, or a combination of the two. So, you know, people can... Handle the industry can handle a bad crop year. That's, you know, we kind of expect that every now and then that's, that's normal to expect. Um, Too many variables that can't be controlled. Right. Um, But when you start stacking them back to back to back, that's when you really run into issues. Um, So what, what we've seen the last couple of years is, is bad crops in one form or another. That's definitely the case. Um, Going forward, we're looking at the same scenario, um, except exacerbated by a shortage of parts for tractors and such. We're looking at much higher, much higher fuel prices. Um, So it's just going to exacerbate something that's already been an issue in recent years. This past year, um, a a lot of the harvests that uh, farmers did not expect to get, they did. We got some very timely late season rains and things like that, that really helped uh, get some of those crops across the finish line. But what we found this year is that the quality has been extraordinarily poor. Um, And also, and we've talked about this on previous shows too, there's this ongoing buying spree of anything edible by um, China and some other countries. So very poor quality crops this past year. Uh, And I know that's a, very, uh, that's a macro statement, uh, without drilling down into the specifics, but just overall very poor crops. Um, what's happening now is a lot of the countries that we sell to export to don't care so much. China doesn't really care, uh, what grade, you know, your, your soybeans are, they just want them. So we're exporting a lot of that. Um, but that is exacerbating the inflation issue that we're seeing at the grocery store. Because it, the manufacturers are having, food manufacturers are having a very hard time finding uh, the quality of um, product that they have to have to produce food in the United States. You know, uh, Cheerios can only go down to a certain level, right? <laughs> Before they can't, they just can't use that quality right. of grain in their product. So that's what we're running into right now. Um, as far as next year, who knows what the weather, weather patterns are going to be. Um, This does look like it's going to be a uh, colder than average winter. We've got La Nina and and such going on right now. So a pretty cold winter that may delay planting. Who knows what's going to happen, you know, six months from now. But um, if we have a bad weather year on top of all of the other scenarios that we're dealing with right now, it's going to be, it's going to be bad. And what we would notice is we would just notice continuing food inflation. Um, we're at something like 30% a year right now on food inflation. Um, and that is not supply side. That's, that's retail side. Um, supply side is more and that should, that should absolutely continue, uh, into next year.
2: Wow. Wow. Okay. So I want to, I want to put a little, uh, bookmark on the, on a word that you said earlier, and that's China. I've so many questions about that. But I know one of the other things that, um, and we, oh, oh, yay, we're just, we're we're not running and rushed in for time. I love it. So um, awesome. pulse of the industry, that's one of the things that you wanted to talk about. So mm-hmm. give us the pulse of the industry, Dan.
0: Yeah. So really, uh, the industry is struggling with everything that I've just mentioned. But on top of that, it, there's a lot of Scrambling going on right now. Um, so let me draw a contrast. When COVID first hit, uh, some I guess almost two years ago now. yeah, isn't
2: that crazy?
0: When uh, it is crazy. <laughs> two weeks to stop the spread. That worked out great. Mm. Um, so when that first hit, it was everyone was scrambling on the retail side. Right, there were huge gaps on the shelves. Uh, the the retail grocers were were ordering and ordering and ordering, and there was backlogs at the distribution points and manufacturers were scrambling to turn out enough product right that that's kind of what was going on then, and we had a show about that now what's happening is retail has has kind of figured out how to hide most of those gaps. Distributors have learned to stock up every chance they possibly can to keep their warehouses a little more full. Now the scrambling is very much on the back end, kind of the unseen end for your typical consumer. Uh, the The real struggle now is on my end. It's on the producers and the manufacturers end. Um, and, and the reason for that is that the longer we go into this new environment, the longer we go into this inflationary environment with, random shortages on the supply side with huge supply chain issues with the labor issues that we're seeing, which we can get into that later because that's a huge factor. Now, now we're struggling. Um, Those things are compounding in a way that, that is really detrimental. And so we're seeing small companies, small um, food companies, more or less went out of business first when they couldn't handle the shocks. Mm-hmm. But now I'm starting to see much larger companies that are either out of business or about to be. Um, I'll give you an example of that. Um, one company that I know of, they're in um, nuts and granolas and things like that. And, and they do pretty significant revenue. I'd, I'd say they're squarely a mid-sized company um, they supply a lot of big grocery stores that we all shop at. And, um, they are looking like it's, it's extraordinarily likely that they're going to go out of business by the end of this year. Oh,
2: wow. Um,
0: and the reason for that, in speaking with some of the executives over there is all of these things are just compounding mm-hmm. and a product that was $8 a couple of years ago, they're selling that same product now for 26 Yeah, and no one is purchasing the product Um, labor's hitting them. So, so these things are compounding like a snowball rolling down a hill gets bigger and bigger. And and the more it compounds, the bigger the company it hits
2: Mm -hmm. and
0: affects. Whereas we've been able to survive so far, but down the line, unsure where we and everyone else is raising prices because we have to, not because we're padding our margins. Our margins now are lower than at any point since we first began uh, nearly 20 years ago as a company. Uh, significantly lower, I'm um, not because of all these things compounding. Um, you know, the, the PPP, payroll protection stuff, that really helped a lot more than I think the average consumer realizes. That was basically free money. Yeah. Um, and so that that helped mask a lot of these things. But that's gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's dried up and the issues are continuing. So what's happening now is a lot of these companies are facing uh, bankruptcy or similar because they cannot raise prices to the point where they have the margin to survive. And the, the average consumer just isn't going to pay uh, the prices that, that are required. Right.
2: Um,
0: so, so that's kind of what's going on right now in the industry. I know a lot of people. In the food industry, who are out of work or who know that they're about to be out of work? Oh. Um, that's that's just universal across the industry. Wow. Um, and one of the this one of the largest um, mm-hmm. packaging producers in the United States, uh, I've been told, is absolutely going to close their doors in January, um, and that's going to uh, very negatively affect packaging, which we've kind of gotten a hold mm-hmm. of the last six months or so. Um, but that's going to become an issue again. So that's that's what's going on in the industry. We, we are really scrambling on the back end of the industry. Um, one of the ways that that's going to affect consumers is the more these companies that go out of business, the lower your selection is going to be, of course, but it's also going to consolidate the industry. Um, it, you know, the food industry is, you know, Cargill and such, they they control up massive amounts of the food industry as it is, but this is going to serve to further consolidate the industry into just a few major players um, because these businesses, before they go under, of course, they're trying to sell. <laughs> the first thing they're doing is trying to, hey, P&G, would you like to buy a out? Um mm-hmm. and often what we're finding is no we don't want to buy you out we want you to go out of business and then we will come in and start up our own for cheaper and now we'll dominate the space that you uh, once were competitive in so the industry is consolidating prices are going up and the the back end is really struggling right now um, a lot of the industry as well and just cut me off if I'm um, you, got, you got about a minute long.
2: you got about a minute you're good
0: Okay, let me throw this out there too, and then we can pick it up on the other side. A lot of retailers are understanding that this is happening. So what they're doing is they're intentionally asking for fewer products to review when they do look at their shelves. Um, so typically in the past, a, a grocer would say, okay, in the jelly space, for example, you're a jelly manufacturer, right, you make grape jelly and stuff. Um, we want to see five to ten products, right? We want a good selection you know, all your different flavors of jelly, all your different sizes. Well, now what's happening is they're reducing that down to give me one to three
2: hmm. that
0: are your best sellers that you know you can produce at the best price, supply chain solid, that kind of thing. So they're intentionally you know, we lost about 30% of our selection in grocery stores just across the board, right. it, but now it's, it's even more intentional. They're just drawing back and drawing back to what can we put on the shelf that isn't going to have so many supply side issues that is not going to inflate too much for the consumer. Um, so um. We're, it's a slow devolution back to, you know, fewer and fewer and fewer options right. for the consumer, even as the price continues to go up.
2: Wow. That just feels like the depression. So I'm glad you stopped there because we do need to take a quick break. Ladies and gentlemen, don't go away. We've got so much more to talk about with Dan the Food food Industry Guy. Don't go away. More
1: of Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher is coming right up. Hear all our previous shows free online at prepping2-0.com.
3: You can get a sample of Numana meals for $19.95 and see for yourself. You will be amazed.
2: Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount by entering the code PREP.
3: Go to Numana.com or click the link on the Prepping 2.0 website.
2: Give it a try. Numana.com. That is N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com.
3: One of the key 2.0 items to have is bulletproof body armor plates. I used to think body armor was too tactical for a regular guy like me, but it isn't. Give yourself, your family, and your team an unfair advantage when bullets are flying. Body armor used to be expensive and hard to get. Not anymore. KD Armor, and that stands for come and take it. Make solid and affordable body armor for normal people. Get body armor while you can. The clowns in Congress are trying to prohibit future sales. Katie Armor is the place to get it, C-A-T-I-Armor.com. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount when you use the coupon code GRANT. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. PrepperNet.com.
1: Now, more of Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher.
2: Welcome back, everyone. This is Shelby Gallagher over here at Prepping 2.0. Uh, as, as like I always say, please continue to pray for Glenn. I will. Everybody, ask me what can I what can I do? Pray. That's that's working right now. Want to give a quick awesome shout out to some more of our awesome sponsors. Katie Armor, great folks over there. Katie uh, is C-A-T-I, stands for come and take it. They specialize in Everyday Joe body armor. This is for you and I, not necessarily for law enforcement or for military. I don't know about you, but when I see some of the recent violence that's been happening on our streets and the defunding of the police and the hamstringing of the police, I think uh, might be a good time to get a hold of some uh, personal body armor. And I would encourage you to consider it too. These are steel body plates. Steel is becoming very difficult to get a hold of. So you can find them at our website again, prepping2-0.com. Use the coupon code Grant to check out and you'll get 10% off your order. Other great folks I want to give a quick shout out to is Lizzie McDaniel. She's one of our great folks at redstaterealtors.com and she is in, excuse me, again shaky voice, she is in Tennessee, she's one of us, she's awesome. You can check her out at that website. And um, we have a new sponsor, and I wanna give a quick shout out to them, My Kind CBD. Again, you can find them on our website. Glenn and I have been using CBD oil. This is not the stuff that's gonna make you high and make you loopy and make, make you weird. This is the healing side of CBD oil and my kind CBD is one of the highest quality ones out there. We believe in them, we use them, and it has been a game changer for Glenn as we've walked through his his cancer treatment. Not gonna lie either, been really helpful when I have a teenager that plays football and every time he plays a game he comes home black and blue. Good stuff there. So check him out at our website. And then um, I wanna bring back um, our guest, Dan the Food Industry Guy. We're just talking about kind of the pulse of the industry and how things are getting very consolidated. And, and I'm going to say it kind of cutthroat. What, you know, one industry waiting for another industry to go under so that they can take over that space in the market. And I know that's how business works. Welcome to free markets. I get that. But wow, these days that, that gets, that gets kind of crazy. So one of the other things I really am excited to hear what Dan has to say is inflation. Inflation effects on the supply side and the wholesale side of all of this. And I and Dan, if you can also bring in, we were talking about how PPP, you know, the, the business protections that the Biden administration put into place to help keep businesses afloat. It's weird to me that those were, you know, that was an, an insane amount of spending to keep businesses afloat that created the inflation that here we are, you know what I mean? It becomes this kind of evil circular thing. So yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Uh, As far as the, uh, the PPP stuff that it was a short term benefit for sure. Yeah. Uh, there are absolutely companies today that would not be in business, uh, without that plan. Uh, at the same time, it, Yes, it contributes to greater inflation. Um, so it is kind of a, uh, you lose either way. Exactly. <laughs> long term. exactly. But, it, you know, it, it's like giving someone who's completely underwater, they're drowning in debt, right? They have whatever, $200,000 in debt that they can't pay. You hand them $10,000. Well, that does help for a little while. Right. Right.
2: That's a great but example. But not
0: going... It's not going to keep them alive long term, right? They're going to eventually succumb to the debt load that they cannot pay. And not saying that the food industry uh, takes on a lot of debt, but at the same time, that's kind of the scenario. And some companies were able to take that PPP and they were able to make very smart decisions with it and and they're still alive and kicking and probably going to survive today. Some didn't, <laughs> and it yeah. just depends. Uh, so, yes, short-term benefits, sure. Um, most of the inflationary issues that we're seeing, um, there is monetary policy, of course, and it's very difficult to say, okay, we did all this stimulus mm-hmm. in 2020 and uh, much less but some in 2021, what's the direct correlation between that Mm -hmm. and the price of a gallon of milk? Well, that's hard to say. There's got to be an effect there, right? Right. But what we see, what we see directly just on our bottom line, is we see uh, the price of all materials across the board going up. We see fuel going up. We see uh, shipping and freight going up just massively. Um, And we see the cost of labor going up uh, also massively. And so those things all have a lot of different issues tied into each one of them. But we've kind of created a perfect storm uh, on the wholesale side uh, between monetary policy, between shortages, between all of the things, not that I would argue, not that COVID created but that the uh, governmental reaction to COVID mm-hmm, created. exactly, And that's really kind of at the heart of all of this is the, the actions taken by governments around the world are largely very detrimental to the health of their economies and long-term uh, low inflation growth. Um, labor is one of the things that you mentioned as well. Mm-hmm, yeah. So let me talk, talk about that a little bit Labor is, killing us maybe more than anything else right now. And, you know, we have a lot of different positions in my company, right? We we have, uh, you've got executives, you've got sales guys, you've got uh, people that work out in the field, you've got people that do, you know, work in the warehouses and things like that. And what's really killing us is not the high wage earners, because if you're an executive, you're not really getting uh, any pay increases, (laughs) because you already make pretty good money. But if you are down on the you know, lower half of the scale uh, in any given company, uh, your pay has potentially doubled at, because we can't find labor. Right. Um, our, our warehouse teams, you know, warehouse work is, is uh, typically something, you know, in, in Texas we pay you know, $10 an hour for, something like that. Mm-hmm. And we have for years. Um, it, it's crept up over time. It used to be eight and then nine and ten. Um, so it's kind of gone up a little bit over the years as as we uh, deemed it necessary. Uh, but at the same time, now instead of ten dollars an hour, you know, we're paying fifteen to eighteen dollars an hour for
2: the same basic
0: entry level type work mm-hmm. because we have to. Right. We can't retain workers without paying that. Um, and you know, it, it's been a bit of a mystery. Like where have all the workers gone? <laughs> to, oh yeah. Seriously. Seriously. Else. Um, drive through any sized town that has fast food restaurants and, you know, half of them show, have signed out lobby clothes, lack of work, right. lack of workers, that kind of thing. Um, so what, I believe is happening is this, is one, a lot of people when COVID hit, a lot of people were out of work and they didn't mean to be, they didn't want to be, but they they were forced out of work and they got stimulus and they got uh, expanded unemployment benefits and and such. And a lot of those people learn to live on that money, right Um, especially if you were making eight, nine dollars an hour before, you know, now you're actually making more money in Mm -hmm. some cases to stay at home. And
2: those benefits, a lot of those people, and those benefits keep getting extended too, but depending on where you live, right?
0: Depending on where you live. Yes. Uh, Not in Texas. Right. They're not Not in Montana uh,
2: either. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Depending on, you know, the bluer your state, the more likely you are to get those extended. But a lot of people are, um, have kind of transitioned during that six to 12 month period of time Onto to living on what they've got and to uh, getting those government benefits. And a lot of those people just transition straight into government benefits mm-hmm. after the expanded um, uh, stimulus and such yeah. fell off. Um, and, and the issue that we're running into is, okay, so I'm offering you $12 an hour, as an example, to do job X. Well, you may be already making that, just sitting at home right? on government benefits. That may be what you're making. Okay, fine, fine. I'll give you $15 an hour. It's going to hurt my bottom line. It's going right. to you know, it's going to make the my price to the consumer go up. But then people are looking at that saying, "Well, that's I'm working for $3 an hour." More. Yeah. Why would I do that?
2: Right.
0: I would rather just not work for $3 an especially hour. Especially I can't give you double. I can't give you $24 an hour, right? Well, and especially so if, now you, we're just,
2: if you go got ahead, if go especially ahead. if you've gotten accustomed to and you figured out how to live on 12 let's just say $12 an hour and somebody offers you 15 it's like the inconvenience of going to work every day no I'm good you know what I mean right isn't that crazy right. yeah right.
0: why would you do that for three to five dollars an hour more right right for most people and, I, and I'm not even saying you know that that's a, a laziness thing or, or anything like that maybe it's you know a, a mom looking exactly. at that thing you know I was making 15 an hour, but for $3 an hour, I'd rather stay home with my kids. Exactly. You know, so it's not, I'm not blaming anyone Mm-mm. for taking that. That's, that's just a monetary decision more than anything else for them. But that is what's happening in a lot of cases. Another thing that's killing us on labor too, is there's a lot of people that are just job hopping. Um, we'll hire someone. We will employ them for a month or two months or three months, and then they'll leave. And they will, uh, you know, maybe go back to collecting um, government funds of various types or because there are so many jobs out there that offer signing bonuses a lot of people are just hopping from company to company oh I have to go over here I'll make $15 an hour but I'll get a $2,000 signing bonus if I stay three months well those people are usually quitting on three months in a day yeah right
2: and they're just hopping around
0: grabbing those signing yeah. bonuses they're
2: gaming the system. A lot oh my gosh I, that makes sense yeah
0: yeah, because you know, realistically, if you're in that bracket, you know, the the ten to fifteen dollar an hour bracket, if you go grab a uh, thousand or two thousand dollar signing bonuses once a quarter, suddenly your yearly income's looking a lot better, right? Right. Because you're you're doing that. So that's happening yeah. a lot, um, and you know, it's just compounding the problems yeah. so much. Yeah. We we want to pay our workers a fair wage for what the job is is. Worth, And at the same time, we want them to stay with us and we want to promote them internally and we want to move them up the chain as we can. That's been our model for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may come to us entry level warehouse work is ni- at 19 years old. But you know what? We've had people come in and at 20 or 21 years old, they're management and wow. they're overseeing, you know, 10 or 15 employees and they go up from there. Um, that's what we like to do. Mm -hmm. But that, that funnel has been chopped off right in the middle because no one's staying around long enough to Mm -hmm. get promoted and to get to those higher wages. Um, So it is kind of hurting us a little bit as far as the talent drain as well, that we can't invest in people and we can't move them up within the company. We have to go out and hire somebody from the outside um, that we don't know nearly as much about, that we haven't spent as much time with, that we're you know, you hire someone, it's always a risk, right? Right. Um, so it, it's hurting in that area as well on the uh, on the labor side. So it's just a huge, gigantic mess. Um, we're not getting people that are interviewing for jobs. Um, usually when we would interview for uh, entry-level type positions, you know, 2019, uh-huh. we averaged, and I actually went back and looked at this, we would average 98 applicants per job posting in 2019.
2: Wow! For
0: for entry level jobs, this is warehouse. This is like you know, get your certification and drive a forklift.
2: Right, and um, start and stuff. start building your skills. It's an entry level job yes, that right. is is a ladder to yep. building those skills, so you can get to the higher wage that you just spoke about. Yes, exactly, exactly.
0: right, exactly right. You're you're eighteen to twenty five bracket, right? Mm-hmm. And, and we would get we would just be flooded with applicants. Uh, the last three jobs we've posted like that, we've received six. Four and seven, I think, applicants for wow. the job. That, that's it. We've gone from 98 to single digits because no one's applying, yeah. and it's it's just contrib- greatly contributing to the problems. And then what happens a lot of time is you have mid level, maybe you have managers, uh, you have kind of your your mid level wage earners that are stepping down into Jobs that they're being paid too much to do, right? Uh, maybe by a lot, and then their jobs aren't getting done. Right. We we, we had last week. Uh, we had an executive level employee who stepped into a uh, into the warehouse and managing one of our warehouses and with our packing ons and such. And, and this this particular guy is extraordinarily experienced. And he's been in the industry a long time and he's excellent at what he does, but he's stepped down to a job that he is insanely overqualified for right. because we just, we have to keep our lines running. And so now his job is falling behind. But if we didn't do that and he's willing to do it, he's willing to do anything uh-huh. the company needs, which is awesome. Yes. But at the same time, that's a huge waste on our side. Oh, it's a huge waste of talent. Yeah. Like
2: huge waste of talent and, yeah. and, um, opera. And what, there's a there's an economic term for it, um, something... Opportunity opportun- cost. Thank you, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's,
0: it's part of it, yeah. Well, and, yeah, I mean, it's just, we're paying this guy executive-level wages because he's executive-level experience, and he's doing something that's mid-level management. Right. And that's, that's terrible to yeah. have to do that.
2: Yeah. So, so. if you, I'm, I'm just going to talk to listeners out there. If you're between 18 and sure. 25, if you're between 18 and 25, can I ask you to to think outside the box here a little bit and I've had this conversation with my son these are unprecedented times and this is a, this is an, a time for opportunity for you to get into one of these amazing sort of jobs that's entry level but you start getting qualifications pretty quickly within a few months to a few years that when we ride out this what, however this storm rides out in about six to eight years You're going to, you think you're making money now? Oh my gosh. I encourage you to quit looking at the government dole and to start looking about how right now there's opportunity to be had for those who are in that 18 to 25 year old and quit looking at it as the short term, hot, you know, the short term $2,000 bonus every three months thing. That might seem profitable now. Sticking to one of these jobs for the long term will, will pay you dividends in eight years. And what do you think about Dan? Am I right?
0: That's, that's phenomenal advice. It really yeah. is because the, the opportunity right now for, for those people who are getting into entry level jobs is, is so much greater than it's ever been before. Exactly. Uh, now, quite a few years ago, when I was in that age bracket, uh, I I remember looking around for for jobs and there were some out there, but you couldn't just pick your industry and say, oh, you know what? That's a great job with a sign-on bonus for a great company. That's what I want. Oh, yeah,
2: unheard of. Signing bonus? The
0: competition was crazy and there weren't that many jobs available. Now, if if you're in that bracket and there's an industry that you want to be in long-term, one, you're going to start off making 50% more money than you would have three or four years ago, exactly. so that's great. Two, you're highly likely to get a sign bonus on top of that, and three, companies, especially smaller companies, are absolutely desperate for your skills.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely desperate. If you get one of these jobs, and you show up, and you work hard, you're ahead of 95% of your peers immediately.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And,
0: and you will grow and, and you will make a lot more money long-term than you think you will probably. Right. So that, yes, that is excellent, excellent advice. Um, particularly for that age bracket, yeah. like the, the government money is not going to last forever. Um, you know, and if you're, if you're looking into starting a career, this is a phenomenal time to do it. Another thing I would say is that um getting into a smaller company is going to accelerate that growth. So if you get into a a locally owned business that maybe has 30 or 40 or 50 employees, right, they're going to value, um, hard work, good work ethic, availability, things like that, uh, more so than the very large companies would. Mm -hmm. And they're going to value your loyalty and your work ethic, um, and that's the route that I would go. I would yep. jump to those smaller companies that are locally owned, um, because that's where you can really stick around and be a fixture for yeah. a long time um, and, and really go some places.
2: Well, and so that would be. Yeah. I, and And if go I ahead. can add to that, this is again to that those in that age bracket. I want to tell you this. Imagine being at age 25. If we if you ride this out and not just do the hopping from job to job at, and taking advantage of the government giveaways right now. Stick to a job by the time you're 25, my predictions for you, you might be able to buy a house. You'll be able to support a family, be able to buy a car. You'll be able to ha- by the I'm going to tell you this right now ladies and gentlemen, when I was 25, I was driving the car that I bought when I was 16. <laughs> Which means I it went I went from point A to point B and it was not a pretty car. Do you see what I'm saying? So the opportunities for you to have an economic amazing future by fine, but you're allowed to be picky and choosy right now but don't be hopping and hopping. Pick and choose something because it's not just the food industry it's the um, trades industry. It's all kinds of picking. You have the opportunity that Dan and I didn't to kind of choose your career but once you're in it stick to it, and in I, and I'm going to say about eight years, you are going to be very comfortable. So hang in there, and don't let this message of hopping, of taking advantage of the giveaways that are going to go away eventually, there, there's opportunity for that particular age group. So anyway, we have hammered that point yeah. enough. We have about five minutes. So I want to ask you, okay. what, what's going to happen? The, is Santa coming for the holidays, Dan?
0: uh uh, santa's santa's coming but uh at the same time uh you know i think inflation and supply chain issues have probably also hit santa yeah and so uh it may be a little slimmer (laughs) than what we're used to so the holiday situation is is interesting um we are recording this what uh early november yeah yeah. Yeah. End of the first week of November is we're recording this and right now most grocers are not rolling out, uh, their holiday food sets just yet. Mm-hmm. Um, now there's a few places that are, and maybe you're starting to see, you know, uh, expanded selection of hot chocolate and marshmallows, but generally, speaking that's not happening at this point in time and the reason for that is most grocers uh, and the ones that i'm uh, pretty well connected into because i'm selling to them they are holding back the holiday food selections further this year due to two things one is supply because mm-hmm. there's supply issues are just rampant everywhere we have beat that to death but two is the mentality uh, Two is prices, uh, price inflation. And I guess three would be the mentality right now is if we roll out Thanksgiving foods the first week of November, what's going to happen is a lot of people buy those foods just because they like them. And they kind of stockpile them for later, which is true. That's absolutely true. I mean, my family, we buy three or four turkeys in a traditional year. And we throw them in the freezer. And I'm pulling one out in April and I'm smoking it. (laughs) And we're going to enjoy a turkey in April because we like it. Yeah. They're trying to cut down on that. Mm-hmm. They're trying to cut down on people saying, I love cranberry sauce and I never see it outside of home. Yeah, They're trying to cut down on that because the supply is much slimmer this year.
2: Right.
0: Um, and they're just afraid that they're going to run out of all of their Thanksgiving foods, you know, on, on for 17th. That's yeah. what they're cutting. The prices are going to be pretty shocking to people on some of the items. Um, The more specialized a product is, the more supply and inflation concerns hit. So things like turkeys, um, you know, the the whole turkeys that are only typically sold certain times of the year, like cranberry sauces and um, pumpkin pies and such, they are going to be, Uh, the average cost of a turkey is going to be roughly double this year. It mm-hmm. just is. Yeah. Um, that 20 turkey last year is going to be four. Um, and, and that help with the supply a little bit. And as is concerned, because someone like me who usually buys three or four and then smokes them throughout the year and eats them, oh, we're probably not going to do that. Yeah. So it is going to alleviate some supply issues, but it's going to be expensive. It really is.
2: Yeah.
0: So, um, be- and the, and the supply is going to be lesser than, than typical.
2: So let me stop you right there cuz I want to we got it we're getting up to the end of the show. It goes so f- especially mm-hmm. the second half you guys it goes so fast. So I want to give a real quick shout out to one of our latest sponsors, US Law Shield. They're the awesome folks that can protect you legally if you find yourself in a self-defense situation. You there's individual and family plans. I encourage you to check them out again at our website prepping 2 0com Use the word prep, P R E P. I believe I'm looking across room for 14 months for the price of 12. The other cool person I want to give a quick shout out to is Jared Savick. He is a great realtor in the Kalispell, Montana area. He and his wife are preppers themselves and know how to help you get a good prepping property, whether it be in town, out of town, or way out of town. Check them out at Seize the Day MT. That's Seize the Day Montana. Dot com. And don't go away. I have about four or five other Um, topics that I want to bring up with Dan and we're going to find out more about how hard (laughs) Santa's going to get hit. So don't go away folks but remember from Benjamin Franklin failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Have a great week everyone.
1: You've been listening to Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. All the information you've heard today including all our previous shows is online at prepping2-0.com